Hello, you are listening to Am I Overacting with me, Annabelle Gurnett, and she, Amber Itso. Hello, hello, hello. This is your quick little warning that um, please do not listen to this podcast with sensitive ears, whether that's your own or your children, um, because we will be talking about anything and everything and discussing some sensitive and personal topics. So you've been warned. Hello. Should we discuss the elephant in the room? Yeah, maybe let's let's get this out of the way first. Um, New listeners won't have the foggiest clue what's going on, but old listeners, hi, we've completely started again. You yeah. cannot access any of our old episodes, which has annoyed a couple of people, I've got to say. Uh, but we always said this wasn't going to be a fertility podcast, but guess what, gang? It's a fertility podcast. <laughs> We're going back on our word. <laughs> we absolutely are. We know that they're the episodes you want. They are the episodes. When you look back through our stats, Annabelle, the fertility episodes literally get double the listens that any other episode does. Um, I think I'll hold my hands up. It was absolutely me that from day dot has been like, no, I'm not discussing it. It is just, I mean, cut me a bit of slack. It wasn't just me being an asshole. It was literally like it was my entire (laughs) life that I needed something that wasn't. So it made sense. We tried it and we decided that, I decided actually I was wrong which I don't say very often so you've got that on record and I'm never ever saying it again (laughs) I'm just gonna I'm gonna cut that little audio snippet and I'm just gonna play it again and again and again and every time alarm clock isn't it I was wrong I was every every time you say something and I'm like "Mm, (laughs) I disagree with that (laughs) I'm just gonna play it back to you it's one of those where if I was on like, um, what is it? If I was on Have I Got News For You and they have their own little buzzers. Mom, oh, yeah, yeah. I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we are now um, more of a fertility podcast. So I say more, we are now a fertility podcast. Um, so we're going to be talking about loads and loads of different aspects of fertility, be that, you know, first time trying to conceive all the way through to IVF, other fertility treatments, motherhood, anything and everything, um, we're going to be talking about it. And hopefully we'll get some really great guests on along the way. I hope so. We've got a few crackers lined up. Mm. Yeah, no, it should be good. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. I feel excited about it. So thanks for joining us, new or old. Um, We've had a little bit of a break. I think it's been about three weeks since the last episode of the old podcast (laughs) went out. I think so you know how have you been well I've done IVF you've done IVF (laughs) (laughs) just that minor thing which I'm sure we'll get into more in this episode absolutely (laughs) um but no so when we finished the previous series um am I overreacting point one (laughs) um I'd just started a new job um was at the same time starting IVF and so yeah some stuff has happened in our little break so I feel like I'm I'm at a new a new chapter of my life. You're a new woman. Yeah which is oh by the way the IVF failed. (laughs) (laughs) I should add that it didn't work. I'm not pregnant. (laughs) I missed out. Surprise. (laughs) Missed out that minor detail. One little announcement. um so yeah I've I've been quite busy but I feel like I'm at a good point in my life what have you been up to uh I feel like before we came on I was like okay what 
and we were like right we'll introduce and we'll just kind of catch up and I knew this question was coming and I was like I I don't know what have I been up to we went to Sandringham today which was nice uh went for a nice walk around the royal grounds um but yeah so civilized mm, it was it was nice though I had a great ice cream so that's it really I mean yeah <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done right that much. I honestly haven't. And it's difficult, you know, because obviously at the moment I'm on maternity leave and I don't want to, now this is a change of direction. I, of course, don't want to sit here and go, oh, I did all of this with my baby, um, which was IVF, by the way, for anybody new. Um, I'm not just here like, woohoo, I had a child. Woo, let me do this. Um, I've lost my train of thought now again. But yeah, so I don't really know. But I haven't done a great deal, I don't think. It was Easter this weekend, which was nice. Marco's birthday. Um, the same old, same old shit, really. Nothing new to report. Oh, well, you're doing great. You're looking great. Thanks. Or Fringita over here. <gasps> yeah, that was, that's a huge thing. You got a fringe. I got a fringe. That's a sign of a like, bit of a life crisis, isn't it? I mean, usually, yeah, it is. Um, I mean, is there something you need to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> this is a safe space. <laughs> <laughs> I just needed a change. I felt like my face was getting rounder and rounder and rounder. And I was like, I just need something else. And I just felt like I looked really boring and plain and all the rest of it. So I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to have a wolfy, shaggy fringe. And uh, I did it. I think and I like you look, it. Yeah, I think you look really kind of arty, particularly with what Thanks. you're wearing now. You've yeah, I'm wearing my Lucy and Yak. <laughs> you just, you look very kind of art college. Cool. Yeah. Go on, say it, Annabelle. After last series where you told me I wasn't cool, tell me I look cool. <laughs> you look cool. I'm not saying you are cool. That's a step too far. You're a word I wouldn't use. <laughs> yeah, catfishing cool. But that's close enough, isn't it? So rude. So, so very this. rude. Oh. <laughs> um, so in basically what we're going to be doing is this week's episode and next week's episode they're kind of just little getting to know us episodes because some of you might follow us on our Instagram pages, in which case you probably will have an idea about our like fertility backgrounds and history. Mm. Um, if you don't, they're at Annabelle Gurnett and at Amber.itso. Get that bit yep. of self-promo in there, girl. Yep, there we go. There, there are, I've got a really bad habit of changing my Instagram username a lot, but I am just going to stick with this one now. If you change it now... I will personally chop off your tits. Look, I tell you what it was. One of the things was I didn't want, I wanted to have my full name as my username for quite a while. But at that point, I was applying for jobs and I didn't want to make it quite. I didn't want them so. to realize you were a bellend. <laughs> yeah, like give it a while. I don't want them to go, mm, who's this woman applying for a really professional, really serious job? Let's search her. Oh, look, here's a load of reels about her bleeding from her fanny. Here's her dancing around her room. Talking about playing, vibrators. And playing with her dog. Not simultaneously, just FYI. Yeah, Vibrator, yeah, not, dog, different yeah. reels. Very different, different reels. Um, it's not that podcast anymore. But essentially, yeah. I was like, I just want to give it a little bit of a pause before they find me on social media. Um, but now I've got a job and I've signed the contract, so it's too late now, bitches. I'm... It's a funny thing, isn't it? Like, I tr I think about changing my username all the time because it's bit. Mine is just my name, just Amber Dot. It's so, um, and it's really annoying that without the dot, 
is taken by somebody who literally never uses it. So that's really, really annoying. Um, but I feel like, oh, sorry, my watch has just gone crazy. I'm not sure. If, um, but yeah, but I, it's really difficult, isn't it? Because I'm like, oh, should I have like a, a blog name almost instead of just my name? But I, anyway, we're going on a tangent now. Um, so she might change her username tomorrow. Uh, and I might too. Who knows? Go Look, I, I'll try and leave it for this series at least. We're not even doing like series. We're but not I'll doing try series, and... Annabelle. We're just recording every week. Bloody hell, this is a lot of commitment then. Right, okay. I will try to leave it for the next couple of months. As a bare minimum. Yes, I will try not to touch it. Oh, you will be subject to a forfeit if you do. Okay, something like you're going to have to pick my username for me. Oh yeah, absolutely, and it will be something like big fanny smeller, okay. or drippy ass, or something like that. Okay, all right, that's a deal. That's okay. fair. Um, so anyway, <laughs> for our little <laughs> little tangent. But some things don't change. We still go off on tangents. But... The podcast changed, but your hosts are still the same. <laughs> Before that, um, we were saying that, yeah, so just a little kind of get to know us couple of episodes. So this week, um, it's all about me. And then next week, it's all about I'm not her. singing. It's all about okay. me. <laughs> oh, I was kind of like, come on, she can do this. And then I see no, you back. Okay. Um, so yeah, I don't really know how, how you want to go about this. Is it just going to be an, a, a monologue? <laughs> no, I mean, like, we'll just talk, we'll just talk in conversation, of course, but, um, yours is obviously an awful lot more recent. Um, as you just said, you know, you, it, it's, it's literally just, just happened for you. Um, but I think yours is, your journey is a little bit different. Our journeys are different. They're kind of similar in the sense that we both have gone down the IVF route, um, but I think it kind of starts and ends there in terms of our similarities. I think there are definitely similarities perhaps on the male side for us. Um, but I think, I think that's it really. I mean, ultimately, I mean, how long, how long ago did you start trying? Like what? So, What's kind of your, your, the start point of your journey? And we'll just kind of go from there, I suppose. So Matt and I first started trying for a baby five, just over five years ago now. Um, so we started trying the same month we got engaged, um, which was really cute. So that was February 2018. And then we tried for a, a little bit and then stopped because we were about to get married and I wanted to get drunk at my wedding. Um, and so we kind of hit pause on that. So we we're probably trying for about six, seven months. Mm -hmm. um, then once we got married, we started trying straight away again, got pregnant uh five months later um but then lost that really early it was like six weeks so super super early miscarriage there um and then basically just nothing we've had nothing <laughs> since then so that was um september october 2019 um that we had the miscarriage and then it, it's now yeah april 2023 so it, it's been a long, a long old while of trying, um, but we ended up doing IVF last month, mm. um, and yeah, that went very badly. Um, we got five eggs in our egg collection, so we didn't make it to transfer, um, which is really irritating because it would have been mm. nice to have just sort of, you know, someone commented on, um, I did a reel about it, and someone commented saying, it feels like you're not even given a chance. Yeah, 100%. And, I totally agree. I think that's what 
I was struggling to articulate it. And then I think that's the thing that bothered me because part of me was like, you know what? I'd have rather, if it wasn't going to work, at least I knew as soon as possible. Yeah. You know, I, I liked the fact, I appreciated knowing and I appreciated being able to shut the door on it nice and quickly because as soon as we found out that we only got five eggs, for me, that was it. I'd accepted that it was pretty much, I remember messaging you in the morning, like after and being yeah. like, oh, I pretty much know that it's not going to happen. Um, and so I think it would have been really difficult to obviously go through the process of having an embryo transfer and then having the two week mm. wait and all of that, like the emotional pressure of that to then find out it's not worked. It's, you know, that's really bloody difficult. But I also think it's difficult to not have the chance there in the first place i agree i agree absolutely uh, we didn't first time our first transferring uh, well our first rounding it to transfer either so i completely completely emphasize with that um and i think you're right in terms of you're not given that chance it kind of changes the ball game altogether doesn't it like you go from you think that the hardest part is going to be post transfer when actually it's mm. it, it's completely different and it's all taken your expectations are you you don't even imagine not getting to transfer, do you? It's kind of that. Yeah, well, I remember in our in our consultation, um, the doctor said she was like, "Oh, you know," and some some people just don't even make it to transfer. And I just kind of was like, I just brushed it aside because I yeah, thought absolutely. that's not going to happen to us. And then I I think I even joked with Matt because this is our NHS round, um, and in our area because um, I mean Amber knows all about this, but every it's like a postcode lottery every area depending on where you live you get different access to things so where i live you get um one egg collection and two embryo transfers um and the doctor was like very clear about the fact that if we don't you know make it if we don't have the embryos then it's not like a oh well just pay for your egg collection next time and you'll get the embryo transfers for free she was like no that's it you know that's mm. all your access lost and I remember just thinking well that's really shitty but that won't happen to us so it's okay yeah because I naively thought like well you know in terms of my own fertility I was like I'm fine like there's nothing wrong with me like our problem is male subfertility so I thought well I'm young I'm healthy that they'll get plenty of eggs and they didn't <laughs> mm. <laughs> and so it was just kind of I think it's one of those things where you always think it will happen to someone else don't you yeah, 100%. I mean, the entire situation, I think when it comes to infertility as a whole, yeah. it's something where you always think it will happen to somebody else and you don't ever expect it to to happen to you. Like, it's, mm. it's something you read about, it's something you hear about other people, it's something that happens to a friend of a friend. It isn't something that you ever expect to live yeah. through. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I felt that when we were, because there's, there's still a chance that Matt and I can conceive naturally, mm -hmm. which is great. And I think, you know, obviously, ultimately, I'm very thankful that there is that chance. But at the same time, it's meant that I've not really, I'd never really accepted the fact that we were going to be doing IVF. I think mm. in my head, even, you know, once we were told, yep, this is the most sort of likely route for you. Yes, you qualify for funding, all of that. I think in the back of my head, I thought, yeah, but we'll still, we'll get there just in time. Yeah. And so the first time we went to the clinic, I just kind of got like lump in my throat, started getting really nervous because I just thought, oh, hang on, this is actually real now. Mm. And I hadn't actually considered 
that that would be our reality. Yeah. And I don't know whether or not that was just me being naive or maybe just kind of protecting myself or just trying to remain hopeful Mm. um, or maybe just a mix of all of them. But yeah, it was just a really bizarre and it happened every time I went to the clinic, every single time it was just, I wouldn't really think about the situation at home. I was very chilled out about it. Um, Like I mentioned in the intro, I just started a new job. So I was focusing on that. And so I was able to really like compartmentalize and then going up to the clinic, it's like, well, you can't, you can't forget about it then. And so then I just get myself into a bit of a, not into a state because I was I was fine. I wasn't crying, but mm. it would be suddenly a change of, oh, okay, this is real. Yeah. It's a very weird, weird feeling. Oh, it absolutely is absolutely is it's kind of it's quite hard hitting isn't it it's uh but I think you're right in the sense of you know I remember us talking about it while you were actively going through it and you were so dare I say blasé about the entire situation because you just had so much going on in every aspect of your life that it was almost like this was something and I do think it helps you know pardon me if I'm wrong and obviously do correct me if I'm wrong but I think your protocol was slightly different wasn't it in the sense that when you had the down regs you had one big injection rather than the Mm. injections every day and then when it got to stims um which for anybody who isn't necessarily familiar with the ivf process is the stimulation of the ovaries so the injections that you do every day um and you also usually also have injections that stop you ovulating they're usually about 10 days long um but the I always found, I don't know whether or not you you felt the same, but I always felt that that was the bit of IVF that I was in complete control of. Mm. And albeit the scans were scary because you go and you don't know how your body's reacting. But that is literally the only bit in the IVF cycle that you were doing yourself that you have any form of control over. Um, so when I was talking to you and you were kind of really relaxed about it and really, you just seemed really in control of the entire situation. Um, so I think when you're actually in in that clinic it's completely different because you're going from being completely in control. And like I say, compared to everything else going on in your life, it was kind of, I don't want to say an insignificant thing because it wasn't insignificant at all, but it was kind of just another thing in the pile that of yeah. all the big things that were going on. Mm. Does that and make I, sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Matt and I actually spoke about this and we think what it was, was that out of everything, the IVF thing was being taken care of by mm-hmm. someone else. Like, all we had to do was show up to our appointments and take, you know, do the injections at the time we were meant to do it. And that's kind of all you can do, isn't it? Yeah. Like day, day to day, it would just be like, oh, okay, right, it's 6.45, I'm taking, I'm doing my injection. And that was it. That's the only thing I had to really think about to do with IVF. Yeah. Whereas the rest of the time, it was like, well, I've got to do this and I've got to do this. And how's this person? And like, is this okay? Shall I be messaging this person? And it was just everything else was chaos and so the IVF was actually the really easy part Mm. you're being told what to do yeah yeah I'm I'm always very much like someone else is like in control of it like just tell me what to do I'll be there that's fine um and so I just kind of continued that into into our IVF cycle which Mm. you know I think is it's kind of a good thing and a bad thing I think it's good that I wasn't stressing about the IVF part necessarily um I was very kind of relaxed and 
oh it'll be fine and then we had the first tracking scan and they were like oh we can't we can't see one of your ovaries and i remember messaging you being like oh help me and mm. you were like look this this can be normal like it happened to you hadn't it yeah yeah my very first yeah so, i think so, it's my first might be my second but yeah and so i was like okay you know that's fine that's fine and then showed up to the second tracking scan and things still didn't really seem ideal so they gave me an extra day on stims and it was kind of at that time that I was like oh actually I don't think this is I'm, I'm an overachiever guys <laughs> <laughs> and so the fact that the person doing my scan wasn't telling me that I was brilliant mm, you weren't a star all round yeah I was like mm, okay this is not going good she was reaching a c grade <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even a c grade <laughs> you were in that class where you're not allowed to do the higher exam so the highest yeah. you can achieve is a c what's it called the foundation yeah. foundation exams <laughs> and i'm having to do a retake <laughs> moving down the sets <laughs> school report was inadequate <laughs> but it does feel like that like yeah. unless i'm being told that i wanted them to be like wow look at all of these follicles oh my god and what really pissed me off was on the day of my collection, the girl in the bed next to me, first of all, I didn't even get a bloody bed. I was on a like armchair. I'm like, this bitch has got a bed. I want, I want a bed. She had 22 eggs. 22. Right? Yeah. So, oh, and also she was really like squeamish to do with her cannula. So I was sitting I there. I hope this girl isn't listening. <laughs> yeah, no. Look, if you are, I'm just, Fuck I'm off. just jealous. I'm just <laughs> jealous, okay? This is all coming from jealousy. But I was sitting there in my armchair with my five shitty eggs just sitting there with my can no one giving a shit about me everyone like praising her being like wow 22 eggs wow making sure that she was wow. okay wow yeah they had to put her blanket over her hands she couldn't see her cannula meanwhile i'm toddling off to go to the loo wearing my dressing gown still dozy as fuck don't even realize that my like tie thing of my dressing gown is in the loo. I then wee Annabelle. On, on my dressing gown tie after just finding out that I've only got five eggs. Oh my God, that was not a good day for you. <laughs> real, everything that happened to me that day, peeing on my dressing gown. Was that the, was the worst bit. <laughs> oh no, that's bad. Jesus. Uh. Yeah. Oh. But. I mean, coming round from egg collection, how did you feel? You know what? I felt fine. I was very alert, I think, mm -hmm. during the whole thing. Like, uh. I, I remember what I was... I don't, I don't remember. I didn't feel anything. But I was having a conversation with the guy the entire time. Oh, no, that's made me feel ill. Like, I was very awake. We oh, were talking no. about, like, festivals and everything. And then, yeah, I remember everything, like the whole thing oh god no i couldn't do it like that that's you so, so yeah every single time no and every I single time like... i came around in the like in the ward bit in the recovery room every single time yeah because oh, the first time i woke up and just kept i think i told marco about seven different times that i was bleeding um and yeah and i just kept coming around and then the second time i think i just woke up wanting food and then the third, but every single time I've been in quite a lot of a lot of pain, 
apart from the final time where I was the same, where I woke up and it felt like I'd been in a really deep sleep. Mm. But I woke up and I was like very alert immediately and I was ready to go and I, I felt fine. Um, oh, that's weird. But it is. But yeah, I mean, how yeah, did you no. feel like in terms of like the medication you were on? I, I mean, your protocol, what was your protocol and how did you... Like, did you have side effects to that? Your symptoms? Like, what um, what effect did the IVF process have on you physically? You know what? Physically, I don't think I had many side effects. Mm. I had some mild bloating towards, like, as we approached the egg collection. Um, I was speaking about it with Matt. I was like, next time I want, like, I, I want big bloating. I want yeah. the... You know how they say, like, when you're pregnant... You obviously don't want to feel like shit, but also if you feel, if you have the morning sickness. It's reassurance. It's reassurance. So next time I want to be bloated as a motherfucker. Do you think your protocol had something to do with it? Do you think that perhaps you you weren't on a high enough dose? I mean, have you had a follow-up yet? We have our follow-up. Yeah, it's coming up. We haven't it's had coming it up, yet. You haven't had it yet. We, ha we do have questions um, mm. about certain things, why things weren't changed and adjusted um yeah no we do have things that we want answers to yeah for sure um but I mean yeah the, I didn't really get many side effects emotionally I probably had quite a few side effects mm. Matt was like you're very he would just look at me and be like oh you're not like no one's home like apparently I was very dozy and dazed and distracted the mood swings were quite mega mm -hmm. uh, I had I had like my dream day one Sunday and I just laid in bed and cried because I was like, I just don't want to do it. Um, and I was like, this is my dream day. And I was just sitting there being like, it's just so much effort. Uh, <laughs> Matt was like, we're going shopping and then going out for lunch. And I was like, I can't do it. Oh, mate. Um, but no, like, I think, I think I was okay. Like, I managed fine. But then I also don't know whether or not it was because I had to be okay because I was like, right, I've got to go to work and I've got to try and figure out this new job yeah for sure so I was kind of very I reckon if I was still working with Matt um because if you didn't know listeners then before before I got this new job I was working with my husband um I think if I was working still with him then I'd probably have been different and I'd, yeah I'd you feel a bit more comfortable in your surroundings don't you yeah whereas I was very I think a lot of it was just adrenaline mm but yeah i didn't really get i was kind of i was just okay throughout all of it which yeah. makes me wonder whether or not i could have you know could have handled a little bit more mm. the dice but well this is it isn't it it's, i mean it's tricky to know and i think it's very easy when you're you know you're not the expert you're not the one that's mm. you know the consultants you would like to trust and put your hand in like you put all your trust in their hands kind of thing but it is difficult to know and when you're not responding and obviously you've had the effect that you had, mm. you had the outcome that you had, sorry. I feel like there there are things that definitely could have been tweaked and it's knowing what they are and it's just making sure I think that you ask the right questions. And I think there's a lot of people that are perhaps listening to this that, you know, I think maybe we should do an episode at some point about the follow-up, um, that whole kind of what to do after his cycle has failed if you like because I think there's a lot of people that go into these follow-ups I know we did the first time for sure and you sit there and you think okay I'm just gonna ask you know well why did it go wrong and listen to what they have to say and you take everything that they say as gospel and you don't necessarily know what to ask you don't know what mm -hmm. should have been different um so I think the fact that you already feel like you know 
what questions you want to ask and that you and Matt are talking about that I think is really good um I mean I don't know about you but I've always seen like the first cycle and I know this is probably this probably isn't the best way to look at it but I think from a sanity perspective it's definitely it definitely helped me moving on to cycle two and then cycle three but I think I always try to view that first cycle as a bit of a dummy cycle because as much as you want everything of course you want it to work like you're putting everything into it it is a real hard slog nobody wants to go through IVF once let alone more than once but nobody knows how your body is going to respond to that medication mm. do you know what I mean so I think yeah. it's I think it's really difficult but then when you're going into it a second time and it hasn't worked and you're potentially handing over your money you know you're handing over your trust all the rest of it whether it's an nhs cycle or not it's an awful lot to go through and so i think those that follow-up appointment and asking those questions and making sure you understand what they're doing why they think it didn't work what they're doing to change it if and when you go again um I think it's really important to kind of advocate for yourself in that situation. So I do like really applaud the fact that you and Matt have sat down and had that conversation already for sure. Thanks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Sorry, that might have been a bit patronising. No, like I do think, yeah, like the, the odds of your first round working there it's really unlikely. Oh man, it's like, like 18% or something, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, you are very, very fortunate if it works the first time mm. um so i think we we went into it obviously hopeful but at the same time thinking you know what this probably won't won't work yeah um i mean we were thinking you know maybe maybe we would have some frozen embryos um, oh yeah i know that's uh <laughs> we like, well that's okay like as long as we've got some embryos that like we can just do a like embryo transfer that's that's okay we can do a frozen embryo transfer later um but yeah, I think we already had, you know, we were mentally prepared for it not working. Um, and so that wasn't wasn't too bad. And I do I do think, like you say, going into the next cycles now, because we are gonna try again, um, we're gonna have an idea of how my body responds. And yeah, sure. you know, we're we're probably gonna end up going to a different clinic um but i'll be able to go to that new clinic whichever where you know wherever we choose and say this is what we were on last time and this this is what mm -hmm. happened so therefore i don't you know I, I need a different protocol i want something different you've got that evidence of how your body has responded in the past mm. and so you've got a really good base level of where to go next mm. you're not just it's very much like your first round just feels like you know stabbing in the dark like trying to be yeah, like, absolutely. right okay what works let's just put you on like the general thing let's hazard a guess when actually you don't know until you're doing it no do you also feel obviously going into your second cycle you will be handing over your hard-earned cash like this time you are paying for that cycle mm. do you feel differently about it on that basis like do you feel there is more pressure on that basis that you know that if you were to have this outcome again you would have to pay for another fresh cycle if you wanted to try again or do you not do you feel a bit indifferent about that it really varies um some days i just feel bitter about the fact that we've had to pay for any particular treatment like i feel yeah <laughs> people that can just like get pregnant i know i went for um breakfast with my friends the other day and i was like guys 
like Matt and I, if you need like multiple rounds of IVF, like you're looking at like tens of thousands, like depending on what you need. I was like, that's before you even have the bloody baby. Yep. Like, so I'm kind of, it's one of those things, isn't it? Like you just, it's part of doing it. Like you, yeah. you kind of need to accept the fact that it is going to cost a lot of money. Is it fair? No. Can you change it? No. Like, mm. so you've just got to roll with it, really. If that's the route that you're going down, then I think the last thing that you need to be worrying about, you know, while you're doing it, is the money that you're spending on it. Like, if you're committing to spending that money, then you've just got to be like, right, okay, that's done. Like, mm. we're just spending that money now. Because yeah. then... Because whether or not you stress during that time about, oh, God, like, yeah, use it to push, push the consultants, make sure you're you're at the clinic that's best for you. But to me, mid cycle or whatever, if you're worrying about the money, then that's an added stress that isn't actually going to change the outcome. No, I said, no, I see what you're saying. But I do think like just from a from a different angle if you like I do I do think that for some people it isn't as straightforward as that because I think when you are in the middle of that cycle and you know that you are putting every penny that you have into that and you can't afford to go again I think that's mm -hmm. the thing with the private cycle you know like you said it can cost tens of thousands um but I think for a lot of people they go into that cycle and that cycle is their only shot at it they can't afford to go yeah. again because to save that money would take them a long 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 time um so I think that's perhaps where, you know, people maybe feel that pressure that if this doesn't work or they at least don't get those frozen embryos or um, or whatever, that maybe that added pressure comes in, comes in there because this is their, their last or their only shot. But yeah. then if it doesn't work, you've then got to go, you go into a whole cycle of accepting that your life is childless without choice. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, that, no, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I just, yeah, no, what I, I was just coming at it from like a, if, you, if you're if you making that decision, like. Oh, yeah, then, you've got to commit while you're in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. Like, it's just, it, I mean, it's a shitter, isn't it? It's an absolute shitter. Through and through, um, yeah. But yeah, I think, you know, next time, knowing that we're paying for it, then, you know, this time we picked a clinic that, you know, we, we thought looked good and it was convenient for us and we know people that have had success there so mm -hmm. we were like you know what let's go for it um but I think next time we're going to be a little bit more particular about where we're going and yeah definitely maybe have a few different consultations and just you know go with whoever mm. whoever we like the best definitely um, shop around a little bit <laughs> you've got to I do think you've got to and I think one thing I always maintain is that it's worth you know consultations aren't cheap consultations on their own are a few hundred pounds but I just think for me I think it's worth spending you know you have three consultations at 300 pounds I would rather spend 900 pounds and then go with the right clinic and have mm. to spend you know I don't know eight and a half thousand pounds once than not spend that money go yeah. with the first clinic that you speak to, spend eight and a half thousand pounds and it be a completely shit cycle because the clinic just see you as a number and not a patient mm. um, and go from there. It's, it is, I think, uh, definitely worth it. Or open evenings. A lot of clinics do open evenings, which I think are great. It's like when you're at school, isn't it? And you go <laughs> open evening and go look around. Um, so yeah, I think they're, I think they're great. 
yeah yeah but we will see absolutely i think um you know one thing that i think we did kind of just skip straight over you obviously said about when when you first started trying and obviously you did you did go through a pregnancy loss and I, I think you said it was about six weeks uh, did you say that or did i yeah yeah, yeah yeah i think it was i didn't know if you'd said it in the podcast or whether or not it was just a conversation we'd had and you hadn't actually said that um but that completely i mean if, if you're happy to i think you know maybe oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. we can talk about that but um on top of that that also hindered how quickly you could get IVF, didn't it? Like it completely changed your journey. In yeah, we have. <laughs> I, I don't think people are really aware of, of of how that how that happens. So we had a bit of a ball, like trying to get our funding. Um, I mean, because a lot of people, you kind of you try for a year and then you then put through the system of the tests mm -hmm. and everything like that. Um, so for Matt and I, having you know five years in between first starting and then having IVF that is a long time um particularly when a lot of that time we were actually trying to get our funding and trying to get IVF so what happened was first of all with getting the sort of initial tests from the doctors they started pushing back because they were doing the whole well we know you can get pregnant so now we don't want to see you for another 18 months like mm -hmm. try for 18 months so we pushed back on that and they did actually then give in and do some tests um, which then found, you know, that Matt had a problem and we went from there. Um, and then once it got to the point of trying to get our funding, in our area, they don't give you the funding until three years after a miscarriage. Like you can't have any pregnancy um, for three years. And so it got to this really weird point of we knew that we qualified for the funding apart from that fact and so and we also knew that IVF was our best chance of having a successful pregnancy so this was like this time last year so we had this weird space of six months or whatever where we were still trying ourselves but we kind of didn't want me to get pregnant because if I got pregnant and then lost it again it would be another three years before we could access our funding mm. so it was this really weird limbo of you know desperately wanting to get pregnant and all to work out but then not wanting it because it would jeopardize our access to IVF um and then yeah eventually you know we got to the three-year mark and then we were able to qualify but it was very so bizarre isn't it like I, I really I truly cannot get my head around the fact that you don't get any, I mean you don't get any support with pregnancy loss anyway I think unless you've lost mm. the baby unless you've lost three there yeah. is really really limited um support in terms of investigations obviously if it's a late-term loss I think it's a little bit different um yeah. but with anything kind of early on first trimester you have to have three in I, I'm not sure whether that's changed recently but for a standard so. for quite a while it has been a case of three losses before they even look into it um but it's bizarre to me that if you're just trying to get pregnant after 12 cycles they'll be like okay fine now we're going to refer you and you can have xyz um mm. but when you've had a miscarriage it's three years like that's three times as long like mm. to me i'm like okay you've lost a pregnancy yes okay you've been able to get pregnant naturally you may do again however you now haven't for 12 cycles and so why does that not put you on par with everybody else? Yeah. But that, that's so backwards to me. So, so, so backwards. I yeah. don't I don't understand that. And I don't understand how they can expect a person to go through a very traumatic experience 
and not even look into the medical reason. I know that unfortunately pregnancy loss is quite common in the first trimester. I think it's one in three mm. pregnancies, um, unfortunately don't continue, but it's, there's a reason for it. There is a reason that one in three don't continue. And why is nobody interested in having a look yeah. into that and preventing it? It's, it's really something I don't, I don't understand at all. Yeah, I think for us it was it was frustrating because it was such I don't I don't mean this in like a sort of literal sense but it was kind of like a it was a it was a non-pregnancy like mm -hmm. it was so early so early that it's like how is that having we literally knew for like 3 days that I was pregnant it's like how is that having such an impact now you know 3 years on on our ability to get funding for IVF, like yeah. this little, you know, just a few days in our life out of five years of trying. And that's the thing that's holding mm. us up. Um, and so it, it did get really frustrating because it was like, well, if if I hadn't gone to the doctor, if I hadn't reported it, if no one knew, yeah. we could have done IVF a long time ago. Um, and so it was, it got to a point where it was just really, really irritating. Um, but no, you're right. They don't really care about looking into those things. And I think also with us, it irritates me because we're male factor. Yeah. And so it was, it was like, well, we know that, you know, if I do get pregnant, there's probably a higher chance of me miscarrying because of, you know, the, the male factor subfertility. So can we not just like, you know, is there not a bypass or something? Yeah, like, there's no grey area with it. So. No, it's it's so black and white. And the fact that it's so, like, even now, I've, I've had people messaging me being, like, on Instagram, being like, oh, in my area, like, you get three full cycles of IVF, so definitely look into it. And it's like, I can't, like, I have looked into it. This is all I get. Yeah. Like, people don't great. understand the postcode lottery. Like, people can't, and understandably, people can't understand fathom that it is so different yeah it can literally because this this girl and she she was so sweet she was like oh i just thought like i thought we lived close to each other so i figured maybe we'd have the same access and i was like nope mm. <laughs> like you can live really close to someone and what they and they're entitled to can be so different oh it's mad yeah mine's 10 minutes difference yeah 10 minutes down the road it, it, it was different it is ridiculous it's absolutely awful they should just you know just standardize mm. it across the board but anyway, that's a conversation for we'll your episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's so um, different. I mean, I think, you know, I think you talk, uh, you you do obviously talk about the fact that you, you experienced this loss and kind of how that kind of transpired in, in with your IVF journey. But I mean, uh, the loss itself, I mean, how did you kind of cope with with that? Because I know for you, like you say, you, you view it as a, a non-pregnancy. And I think when we did the original podcast, you did, you spoke about that, I think, uh, on a couple mm. of occasions and how it was perhaps a little bit different for you um but I think it's an interesting angle anyway so if you're happy to discuss it I think it's yeah I mean like obviously like I'm interviewing you no it's very very serious <laughs> obviously it was absolutely heartbreaking you know Matt and I desperately wanted this child um we've been trying for a while at that point we were so ready for it um and so it was absolutely heartbreaking that we lost it. And the, you know, the doctors didn't really give a shit. I was, you know, I, I went to, it happened over the weekend and I was calling the out of hours and they were just like, no, spotting is normal. And I was having to be like, this isn't spotting. Like, I, I know what spotting would be like. 
this is not spotting. Um, and so eventually they sent me to an out of hours doctor and he didn't examine me. He literally was just like, he brushed it off as well. And he was like, look, if you're still bleeding tomorrow, then go to A&E and see what they say. Like he didn't care. And so sure enough, like I spent the entire night awake. We went to A&E the next morning. I explained the situation. They got me to do a pregnancy test. Um, and that was like, that was horrible because A, I really didn't need a wee. There is nothing worse than being told to pee in a pot when you don't need to wee. I was in there for so long, the automatic lights in the loo kept turning off. So I was sitting in the dark trying to piss <laughs> in this pot, not knowing where I was pissing, not having a lot of piss to pee anyway. Um, I remember Matt being like, they've called you, they kept he kept messaging me being like, they've called your name like twice. And I'm like, I can't do it. Oh no. That was a whole load of drama anyway. Anyway, um, so I finally managed to do this, give them the sample. I then um, were taken into a different room. Very annoyingly, the same, it's like the children's ward at the same time. So you're in amongst like pregnant people, children, everything, and you're sitting there like, oh. Mm. <laughs> and then they just, I hear this person, like one of the nurses on the phone, she was like, oh, well, um, it's come up positive. So, you know, it is, the pregnancy is, you know, ongoing. And I was like, oh, that doesn't sound very, very hopeful. And then they took me into this side room and I had to then be on the phone to someone from the maternity ward. And she just asked me loads of questions. I answered them and she was just like, well, yeah, you know, it does sound like you're having a miscarriage. Um, so I'm really sorry. Um, go home, take some paracetamol and do a pregnancy test in a few weeks. And that was it. No one examined me. No one spoke to me face to face. It was literally just like That's on the phone. Sense. She was like, yeah, you're having a pregnancy. Like, you're having a miscarriage. Bye. And so we went to the concourse and I went and got some biscuits because that's what I do. I love me a biscuit. And they phoned me then and was like, oh, do you want to come in for an examination? And I was like, well, I'm having a miscarriage, aren't I? And they were like, yeah. I was like, so what's the point? Like, I'll just go home. That's, I don't want to be called in just so you can kind of like confirm what you've just told me. Like, if this mm -hmm. is what's happening, then this is what's happening. Um, and so like, it was shit. I had a day off work and I went back to work because I was like, well, I might as well be like, it just, it felt like a normal period at that point. So I was like, yeah. I just, just crack on. And so for a while it was really difficult. And then my opinion on it just changed a bit. And now the way I look at it is yes, it was really shit. But first of all, I would have had to give birth in may 2020 and the restrictions then were bloody awful so i am grateful for the fact that i didn't have to go through that because i feel heartbroken for the women that had to go through pregnancy mm -hmm. and labor and early days of having kids during lockdown and secondly i can't compare it to people that have lost their babies further along Mm. I think, yeah, miscarriages are shit any time that you have them, obviously. Um, but I can't sit here and speak to someone that's had a miscarriage further along and be like, oh, I know how you feel. Yeah, it's really bad because I don't. And 
people will, you know, some people disagree with that and be like, no, it's just as bad. Your feelings are just as valid. But the way I see it is, no, they're not. Because like I mentioned before, we knew for a very short amount of time, we hadn't told anyone, we hadn't gone out and bought things, we hadn't started, you know, all that kind of stuff. We hadn't done any of that. And so for us, it was just a kind of, it was like a dream that had just been sort of cut short. And it was like, okay, cool, right, back to normal. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I have very mixed views on it. Mm. Um, but just sort of, it is what it is. Now it's just kind of, it's just part of what's happened. Sometimes yeah. I'm like, oh, that's weird. I'd have a nearly three-year-old or whatever right now. But then I'm like, I've managed to do some really good stuff in that time. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, I think it's, you know, I think what you've said is 100% valid. And I think what people need to remember a lot of the time is when people say, oh, you know, but it is the same and your feelings are valid. Like you said, you you personally don't see them as such. If, you know, your next door neighbor has been through the same thing and she does find it an awful lot traumatic, more, more, mm. uh, sorry, more traumatic and all the rest of it, that's fine. Her feelings are valid too. But I think people do struggle to people your feelings as they are are valid and and that is enough and I think you know people don't always need to tell you that you're allowed to feel it on a more deeper level or that you should be more I think that's the thing I think people feel like mm. you should perhaps be more traumatized by it and xyz and so them saying oh you know but it is and your feelings are more valid is unfair really because I think your feelings are valid yeah. as they are um and that's perfectly fine like it's just I don't know I think it's difficult for people to comprehend isn't it like I think you know I think people quite often just want to hear that the, the way they feel is okay and I think there will be people that feel like you and feel exactly that same way mm -hmm. um and it will probably be quite validating for them to to hear the same the same thing yeah like it doesn't mean that I didn't want it it doesn't mean that I'm no. not sad that it didn't work it just means that other situations I just think other situations are sadder but you're allowed also that's I think where I was going with that I forgot what I was saying but I think where I was going with that is very much that you you know what happened was shit and your life would be very very different if that pregnancy had continued and I'm sure you'd have loved your life the way that it mm. was but that doesn't mean that you're not allowed to love your life and you're not allowed to be grateful for everything that has happened that would never have been able to happen yeah if you'd had a child like having a child changes your life dramatically and I think you're allowed to be okay with not having a child because not I'm not saying that you're okay with not having a child you wouldn't be going through IVF if that was the case but I think what I mean is you're allowed to feel content yeah that's it and you're allowed to appreciate the fact that you can do things that you wouldn't have been able to do and you've been able to do things over the last three years yeah that you wouldn't have been afforded otherwise and be grateful for those and be happy that you've had that opportunity but that doesn't mean that you're glad you lost a pregnancy yeah no absolutely and I think that's something that, that, yeah <laughs> that's something that I definitely feel like even now like there are aspects of you know, when we were doing IVF, obviously the the prospect of me getting pregnant and us having kids, I was like, oh, that that's going to change my life. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to really like, I'd really miss things about my life as it is now. Like we have 
if one thing's happened like during the past five years of us trying is that we have built a life that we really love mm. and so the fact that you know yes we want kids but that will change our life and we will yeah. lose, we will lose the freedom to that we currently have and I know both of us will miss things that we do at the moment like you know things that we just like to do we like to go out for dinner and we like to just have lay-ins and we like our sleep like amber you know that if you message me past nine o'clock you're not getting a response because i'm in bed i'm asleep my phone's on sleep that's mode it. That's I, don't, it. I, know. I don't even get a notification um <laughs> and, and you so, always know too because we'll be mid-conversation and suddenly it stops <laughs> she's like oh phone's on sleep mode she's on bed. she didn't even say good night the fucking bitch <laughs> But it's 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 one of those things like you can't you can you can only do what you can do in order to try and get pregnant, but you can't spend your entire time just hoping to get pregnant. Mm. I tried that; it made me miserable. That's why I started talking about it on Instagram because I was like, "This is going to drive me insane." Um, and so you've got to try and fill your life with good shit for sure, for sure, for sure. And that's that's my little message for the for the day fill your life <laughs> with good shit <laughs> I mean I think one thing we have said that we are going to do throughout this podcast obviously Annabelle and I are both telling our stories over the next couple of weeks before we get into the nitty-gritty with guests but um we have said that you know two of our guests will be uh my husband Marco and Annabelle's husband Matt and I think you know, with you've obviously spoken about Matt's said fertility, um, but I think that obviously be a really good time to kind of go into the diagnosis and all and all the rest of it. Mm -hmm. But I think you've, you know, I think you've handled your situation with an awful lot of grace and decorum, um, as you always do. But I think you know, obviously throughout. I was about to say the series, but again, we're not doing series. But throughout the podcast, people are going to be following your journey. They follow your journey on Instagram um, while you're very much in the thick of it. But it's. Uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure listening to your story anyway. And I'm You're sure welcome. people will appreciate it. I feel like um, I've just been on like um oh not PS in therapy. Um yeah, maybe in therapy. I used to love that program. I yeah, actually no. did. Fun story for you. My GCSE English, we had to do a transcript of a TV program and then like analyze it and all the rest of it. I did Pierce Morgan's Life Stories with Russell Brand and completely like wrote out the transcript for that episode and analyzed it. It was my coursework I didn't just do it for fun but I loved Pierce Morgan's life stories when I was a teenager it's like the best program ever wow <laughs> explains a lot doesn't it yeah yeah it explains a lot that you picked Russell Brand oh man he was like my oh God, he must I have been was... a nightmare to transcribe oh, he goes I was off in on love such... with that man oh he was oh, really my big my big crush I even had a hamster called Russell Jesus Christ I feel mm. I don't he's not he's not my type Oh, no, not anymore he's not, but I, oh, God, I loved him. I loved him. He was kind of, as I was going into, like, my little bad boy era where all I wanted was, like, you know, the tattooed, the pierced, the people my dad wouldn't approve of kind of thing. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> and then I married once. <laughs> you got there in the end. That's it. Um. Anyway, we are bringing back the Am I Overreaction. So we've got two for you this week. This is probably going to be a slightly longer than usual episode, just an FYI. But um, so don't expect all of them to be this long. Um, but if we go in with the MI overreactions, do you want to go first? Do you? Okay. We might actually right. only be able to do the one because the second one is now not loading, which is not ideal. So we'll see. Okay. Um, right. So this person wants to be anonymous. So I'm going to call her Betty. Right. <clears throat> 
We've been trying for a baby since July 2022 and have paid for private tests in the meantime. I'm okay, but have a lower than average egg reserve. My husband has been tested and they found no sperm in his sample. We are obviously devastated and are trying our best to remain positive. But if I'm being honest, I felt like I've been grieving every time my period has come to greet me each month. A few months ago, my sister-in-law began trying for their second baby. My father-in-law announced cheerfully, the race is on now, isn't it? This in itself enraged me as we had been trying for a long while at this point and had clearly been upset it hadn't happened so far. My sister-in-law called my husband a week later to let him know they were in fact pregnant with number two. To try to make me feel better, she said, at least our babies will be the same school year. It's likely that her parents knew that she was pregnant before we did and I can't shake the feeling my father-in-law said that the race is on knowing full well they were already pregnant. This incident was a few months ago, but I'm still so angry at how insensitive they have been. I'll no longer talk to my in-laws about trying to conceive. Am I overreacting? So, yeah. Oh, I think it's tricky, isn't it? I think it's always tricky when you've got an outside influence or somebody else that you're um, talking to about it when they haven't got any experience of it whatsoever. I think... I think you've probably done the right thing and decided not to talk to them about it anymore. Um, I mean, that may be, I would say, a little bit hard for your partner if your partner has always been quite open with them about it. Um, but I don't know. I, has, it, has it ever been verbalised that that was... I know she's obviously said a few months have passed, so I'm like, okay, did you at the time say, actually, I think this is a little bit insensitive and I, I kind of wish you hadn't said that? Um rather than holding a grudge is it perhaps better to have a conversation about it and explain why and how you feel the way you feel so i had some questions that i went back to um so i wanted to know if anyone said anything after the father-in-law said that the race was on and also why the sister-in-law said that at least their babies will be in the same school year so betty said no one said anything at all. It was just me and my in-laws in the room. Oh, actually, when you said you have questions, I didn't realise you'd actually gone back to the person and yeah, asked I'd the questions as well. Yeah, I'd absolutely gone back. I got these facts because I was like, if Amber asks these questions, and I'm like, I don't know, actually. I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to find out the answers. So no one said anything. It was just Betty and her in-laws in the room at the time. Um, Betty says that her in-laws have dismissed most of her worries about trying to conceive um, as her being worried just over nothing because, you know, sometimes it can just take time. Um, so she says that she just smiled and then cried later on. She's had the, have you tried not worrying, stressing, thinking about it so many times that she's just given up. And she says that her sister-in-law said that their babies would be in the same school year because she was trying to reassure her that, Betty will get pregnant soon which I think is a terrible thing to say like imagine if someone yeah, not just turned around and was like oh well they'll just they'll be the same age because you're taking so long <laughs> yeah that's a bit tricky I, I I always think I try and be forgiving when it comes to other people and what other people have said that aren't necessarily going through it and I think but if you have communicated on numerous occasions that the things that they say and the things that they do are not supportive and actually make you feel the complete opposite way and they still continue to do it, them being uncomfortable and not knowing what to say and therefore saying the wrong thing isn't your problem. And so not talking to them about it, I think is absolutely 
the right thing to do um yeah. and then if and when they ask about it just say I was just sick of comments so it's just easier not to talk about it at all and we'll update you when there's something to update you on um for me I would call them out I think you know when people said to us on numerous occasions about wanting you know when are you going to be when are you going to give us this when are we going to have kids this uh, when are we going to have kids that's weird um but you know, <laughs> you know when people would say things I, I my response would be things like not through lack of trying um it's not your job to make them feel comfortable and I think that's a really important thing mm. to remember yeah no I agree I absolutely agree my laptop's dying bear with me <laughs> I'm really sorry that's really bad podcasting on my behalf I actually thought I'd plugged in my laptop but I hadn't so <laughs> we're back amateur oh and now you've frozen oh no no you oh, haven't no. no you're back right okay I'm here um yeah so I I agree I think to be fair I'm quite bad at confrontation so I think I'd do what Betty's done and just be like no I'm just not going to talk about it now I'm yeah. just not going to say anything but I do think it's really difficult when you're in close proximity with someone who is also trying for a baby oh yeah for sure because especially in a situation like that where they've already got a child so you know that they can conceive naturally and you know that you can't necessarily or that you're going to struggle to conceive naturally so you already know you're fighting a losing battle and then you're going to have to watch them like I've got friends who I've watched since we started trying for a baby I've watched them have their first baby I've watched them have their second baby you know it's so hard it's really really difficult because you're like I was there when you were pregnant the first time and now I'm having to watch you do this again yeah and so it really it's really really gutting because it's one of those things where I think when you're just in the thick of it time just passes and you don't necessarily pay too much attention to the actual length of time obviously you're aware of the months passing particularly if your period's coming every single month but I think it's only when you're kind of faced with someone who is then trying for their second baby and you're still sitting there like well I'm just waiting for my first mm. I'll, I'll just you go ahead of me you jump the queue that's okay yeah absolutely blimey yeah I agree and I think it's, it's also difficult that it's the in-laws. It always oh, yeah, definitely. It's and it's always really uncomfortable when it's the in-laws because you're like, you, you want to say everything that you want to say, but you also don't want to put your partner in a bit of a predicament. Um, yeah. So it is tricky. It's definitely, definitely tricky. Yeah, but um, I, don't, I don't think she's overreacting at all. I think no, me neither. I think you're good. Yeah, her feelings have been ignored. So therefore, you do what suits you best. There are no ovaries acting here. Um, do we have time for number two? Sod it. Should we just do number two? Fuck it, let's go let's for just it. Let's number two. Let's make this one a long one. Um, hey, lovelies, can I please re remain anonymous? Yes, you can, Katie. Ha, ha, ha. Good joke, Katie's the fake name. Fooled ya. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to share my overreacting situation to get get some perspective on it. I moved into a new build house in, uh, in summer 2019 and managed to meet all of my soon-to-be neighbours prior to moving in. Once moved in and settled, I made quite the effort making friends with my newfound neighbours. I'm a people pleaser and wanted them to like me. Oh, that's quite sad, Katie. Uh, I'm the same. Uh, I soon found that my efforts were not reciprocated. I was being left out of plans that were arranged. And as I am a say it how uh, as I am a say it how it is kind of gal, 
I voiced the fact that I had been left out. We talked it out and it all seemed fine. Fast forward to 2022, my partner and I embark on our trying to conceive journey. I had a miscarriage which I shared with the girls. Sympathy was given and lives moved on. One of the girls then got pregnant. I was elated for her and I checked in on her basically every month of her pregnancy. I still do now that she's had her baby. We all got on, uh, we all got together on occasions while she was pregnant and everyone seemed invested in her and her pregnancy. I didn't expect anyone to pity me, but nobody even asked if I was okay about the news after my loss. A few months later, I found out I was pregnant and shared my wonderful news with the girl. Uh, with the girls, but I do feel as though I did not get the same response to my pregnancy as the other girl did. No one had messaged me to check in unless I'd messaged them first. I haven't been invited along to any meetups and I know that, that and I know that there have been some. I just feel as though I've been isolated from them and they didn't care so much about me or my pregnancy. Unsurprisingly, I have very much distanced myself as I feel that as though I don't need that kind of negativity around me right now, but I can't help but feeling a bit sad about it. I don't feel jealous of the other girl who was pregnant, but it was hard to ignore the difference in reaction we both received to our news. I felt as though it was because I'd previously aired my opinion on being left out. Am I overreacting? Lots of love to you both. Katie. Katie was the name I gave her, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of layers to that. Isn't there, there is. There's a lot of layers to that. And I don't think it's as straightforward as just a yes or no answer, if I am honest. So I think that, first of all, I'm really sorry that you're feeling left out because that's a really... The worst feeling. It's a really horrible place to be in, especially when it's your neighbours because that's your home. That's mm -hmm. not like a situation that you can just leave. Um, so I'm really sorry about that. I do wonder... Um, obviously you're like clearly Katie sounds like a very thoughtful person like checking in on people wanting people she says that she's a people pleaser you can't expect people to behave the same way as you do and that's it that's so important if you set those expectations on people it might not necessarily be anything against you it might just be that that's just the way they are and mm -hmm. then not someone that regularly checks in. I'm terrible at checking in on people. I'll go through phases where I'll regularly check in on someone and then you just won't hear from me for ages. Mm -hmm. And it's nothing personal against that person. It's just sometimes I'm just really shit at messaging people. I'm exactly the same in that I think you need to understand, and I find it really difficult to do as well, that just because something is second nature to you and that you would behave a certain way, does it, you can't expect people to be you and to behave the same way that you would. But I also understand the feeling of if they reacted a certain way for one person and they're not doing it for you, yeah, then that is difficult because you've seen that they do do it and that they are capable of doing that. Yeah. It's not that they've been a certain way with you and then they've drifted or whatever. It is a little bit different. Um, I, I do think that it will have something to do with the fact that you aired your opinion. It probably made some people feel a little bit uncomfortable and people don't really know how to deal with that. That's not your fault. You had every right to air how you felt. Um, but I think people may therefore be a bit like, oh, well, let just have a bit of a chip on their shoulder as a result of it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, I think clearly there is some uh, friction or unease or something. If you're saying that, you, you know, they're meeting up without you, then clearly, like Amber says, there's, you know, they might have a chip on their shoulder about to, Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I also wonder if perhaps the first girl getting pregnant is a bit of a novelty thing. Absolutely. 
like it's always it's kind exciting of, and new and yeah the first person in the friendship group to get pregnant it's like oh my god and then by the time it's like the second third fourth fifth it's kind of like okay yeah right that's nice Welcome join to the, the club. club yeah 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 very kind of okay well we've done that you know we don't need to do that again so I'm not saying you know obviously your pregnancy is really important but I do wonder also if there is a little bit of that in play where it's mm. you know you're not the first one like yeah you know I I can I totally empathize you want to be the first one you say you've had a loss before so you know there's there's probably that part of you that feels like you should have been the mm. first one you would have been the first one but um, it is still shit I think to feel like your friends care more about somebody else than they do you like it yeah. is very like I feel like if one of my friends got pregnant and then another one did a little bit later that I'd still be as excited for one as I was the other. And I think yeah. it sounds as though they value the friendship differently to how you do. Um, and I, I think you're doing the right thing, putting in that distance. Um, and I just wouldn't expect from them. I think like you say, you don't, I think you've already answered your own question that no, you're mm. not overreacting, but I think you've already taken the steps that you need to take. Yeah to move yeah. away from that and I think that's a good thing and I yeah. think you have every right to be upset I think we did a we did a whole episode on the previous podcast about like friendship breakups and how you won't it be able to find it now no you won't be able to listen to it now but we were just basically saying that they do really hurt and they are upsetting things yeah. um and so you're absolutely fine to feel yeah. the way that you do yeah I agree and I think it's absolutely better to distance yourself now you know set your boundary recognize that it's not you, you know, it's just a friendship that isn't coming naturally. And that's mm -hmm. okay. There will be other people that you make really good friendships with, but much better to just leave it as it is now and have a point, you know, be able to be civil and have a nice relationship with these girls rather than confronting it, pushing it, doing whatever, and then there being the animosity there for sure that friendship may rebuild too like it's just yeah you like know, once you I think... have the baby you might find that you've got this really great bond now with the other girl that's got the baby and you know that could be you know a way back into the fold like mm. you don't know but yeah definitely but it is a real I think when you're a people pleaser as well, like I'm a massive people pleaser and I am one of, I am somebody who is desperate for people to like me and I really struggle when people don't like me. Yeah. Um, and I think I completely understand the anxiety that comes with that and how awful it feels when you feel like people don't value you the same way yeah. that you value them. Um, and it is a really, really horrible anxiety inducing feeling. So just know that you're not on your own with that and that lots of us feel the exact same way and I completely understand it. Um, yeah. And I, I, I do, I do. As somebody who's been through pretty much all of that, I get it. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, but you're not overreacting, I don't think, anyway. I think your feelings are very valid. Yeah. Just be nice to yourself and enjoy your pregnancy. Yeah, congratulations. Absolutely. Um, so a new segment that we are starting is the question of the week. So we are going to end every single episode with that. We are going to ask you a question and ask that during the week between this episode and... Um, well, basically over the weekend because we record a lot earlier than we, <laughs> we put out. Um, so we are asking that you send in your answers to um, to this question. You can send it to us via email at aioapodcast at gmail.com um, or you can send us a message on Instagram, uh, whatever. We'll put up a question box and yeah. Um, and then next week we will discuss the answers. So our question of the week is somewhere in a place that I can no longer find. 
It is. Annabelle, what is our question for the week? Um, Aha, uh, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. <laughs> God, Amber, be more organised. Our question of the week is, as someone trying to conceive, how would you want to be supported by a friend? I don't know about you, Annabelle, but I find quite a lot on social media, people ask me, oh, you know, my friend is going through this, my friend's just lost a pregnancy, my friend's just had a failed cycle of IVF, I don't know what I can do to support her. Um, my answer is always everybody's very different. So what I would like isn't necessarily what you would like and so on and so forth everything is very different so give us a few different options so you as somebody who is trying to conceive or somebody who has gone through a fertility journey in the past how would you like to be supported by a friend during that time well I'll get I'll give you three examples of how people responded to um when our IVF round was cancelled so you sent a lovely card thank you very much um that was I very did. sweet yeah and um, we started too just <laughs> i had um another group of friends they sent me flowers which was lovely totally unexpected i came back from being out and there was this gorgeous bunch of flowers on my doorstep and then my other friend um gave me um a bag like a gift party bag with sweets a candle and a card that basically was a thank you card for not getting pregnant because she didn't want us to have to grow up and be role models just yet and Amazing. that made me laugh so much Emma. because I have a dark sense of humor anyway and so some people would absolutely hate that so no oh, no that's right up my street yeah if you're gonna send someone a thank you card for not getting pregnant <laughs> make sure <laughs> make sure they're the right audience yeah but absolutely all three of those were really really helpful and meaningful and lovely um but very different approaches so mm. you don't if you don't have the words you don't have to have the words that's okay um sometimes not having the words is better yeah yeah if you yeah don't force it because if you're forcing it you're gonna say stupid shit okay like but yeah so i think there are very there are a lot of different approaches depending on who the person is but they were three approaches. My pals just got drunk with me and it was great. Well, yeah, like go do, yeah. do the things you couldn't do if it had worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's another very good option. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but on that note, like I say, if you can send in your answers, we'll discuss these on the podcast next week um, at the beginning of next week's episode. So thank you so much for joining us for our new and improved Am I Overreacting 2.0. Um, hello to new listeners, uh, new listeners and thank you for joining us. Um, but yeah, next week it's it's all about me and I can't wait. So anyway, I'm going to interview you. I'm going to be Piers. I do. I really feel like I've given you a grilling. I know. I feel very, I feel so famous right now. This has done our ego a boost anyway. Um, but it's been ever so lovely speaking to you again. And I'm looking forward to where the podcast is going to go this time. Um, so we will see you next week for another episode of Am I Overreacting? So thanks for joining us. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.